Blog Talk Radio. Lucis Trust, a non-profit, non-political, and non-sectarian organization on the roster of the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations and concerned with the establishment of world cooperation and goodwill, presents Inner Sight with your host, Robert Anderson. He, with Sarah and Dale McKechnie, President and Vice President of Lucis Trust, will discuss philosophical and spiritual topics essential to everyday life. Now here's your host, Robert Anderson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Inner Sight. Our topic for today is karma, part four. And there's much to be said about karma. It's an issue that's spoken about often very incorrectly, so we're here to really set the record straight. Here's a thought from uh, a book called Karma and Rebirth, and the quote is from Christmas Humphreys. Karma is the expression of the law of equilibrium, and nature is always working to restore that equilibrium whenever, through man's acts, it is disturbed. Karma creates nothing, nor does it design. It is man who plans and creates causes, and karmic law adjusts the effects. Karma neither rewards nor punishes. It only restores lost harmony. I like to mention that quote from time to time, too, because um, I've I've always found the law of uh, karma very complex, and I think through these shows I've begun to understand it a lot better, and I hope you do also. But we have more to do on this so that we can get a more complete understanding. Is there karma... We've talked so much about uh, negative karma, but is there karma in the way we handle our blessings? Very much so. And as we've mentioned in the past, uh, the writings of Alice Bailey say that we have uh, much more good karma than bad karma, most Mm -hmm. of us. And that's a a kind of a surprising uh, insight into karma. We tend to think of it as punishment. But as I think I mentioned, the real definition is... um, Retribution, which is return, the return of whatever has been put out through action. So our many good acts, our many good deeds come back to us in the form of blessings. But how we respond to those blessings then in turn generates new karma. If we have a very uh, comfortable, blessed life, in comparison to the people around us, we might find ourselves feeling very smug and satisfied with ourselves, and then we would be mm-hmm. uh, committing the the sin of um, self-righteousness and of separating ourselves from people yeah. who suffer. So there's a karma of merit and a karma of demerit, and we're we're on a very fine line at all times. Yes, um, our good fortunes are not uh, something we should gloat over because, um, <clears throat> we, as you say, we, we, that very act of gloating is incurring some negative karma uh, on top of it. So um, it, it's something to, to bear in mind, really, because how we handle our blessings is, is a gift. Our blessings mm-hmm. are probably given to us by by past karma, by the result of good actions in the past, and um, 
they're not meant to be lauded over uh, other people. Don't you think they're probably in their own way tests? I think uh, God or the powers that be sometimes test us through our blessings just as much as through our tribulations. Mm -hmm. And um, if we forget to be grateful and if we forget to think of others who have less and who have more difficulties, uh, Mm -hmm. then we, we incur new karma. That's right. Uh, if we uh, are blessed with lots of money, then uh, perhaps uh, there is a reason for that, and uh, we should uh, um, share it. Share it. I speak as uh, one of uh, <laughs> a person who works for a nonprofit organization, which depends entirely on donations. We uh, depend on the karma of people sharing their good fortune. Absolutely. So. And Keep that do. in mind. Yeah, well, yeah. speaking of blessings, can we actually then, uh, from what you're saying, can I actually go out there and say I'm going to create some uh, good karma as a result of uh, perpetuating and setting forth good deeds and interacting with people in a positive way? Is that a, is that full in line with what you're saying? Well, I don't know if one should declare one's intention to do that because that sounds a little bit self-serving, doesn't it? We should serve, we should do good out of... Um, purest motives and out of self-forgetfulness and not with uh, too much consideration of the consequences Mm -hmm. for ourselves. So goodwill towards other people really has to come from the heart as as an end in itself, not as a means to creating a good situation for oneself. That's right. Good. How does karma deal with the, how does it deal, how does karma deal with the apparent injustice of life? Well, As I mentioned um, in our last program, a lot of people spend a lot of time thinking about why me, why me, when they get into a a bad scrape. And as my friend said to her sister, why not you? We should say that to ourselves. Why not not me? We're a part of humanity. We can't be um, exonerated from the human fate. We have no doubt stubbed our toe time and again in the choices and actions we've done in the past. So as the opening definition from Christmas Humphreys said, karma is simply the restoration of lost harmony. If you believe that, then there's no injustice in life. But there is the fact that karma takes sometimes a very long time to work out. There's that saying, the... Uh, Mills of God grind slowly, but they grind exceeding fine. And the slowness of that grinding can make it seem as if there's injustice. Mm -hmm. Because the time frame that uh, God's plan works with is far different than our human uh, time frame. We like to see results right away. And when you have to wait for the appropriate moment chosen by the soul for the precipitation of karma, it might be several lifetimes down the road. Maybe this is why the story of Job in the Bible is so perplexing and so um, uh, mysterious to us. Job was the the good, uh, decent, upright man in the Old Testament who had lived his life according to the highest principles he knew. He had been a good family man, a responsible citizen. And one thing after another befell him and his family. One disaster after another. And he could not understand why these things were happening to him. And in a way, he almost turned against God. He began to really question his fate and to question the worthwhileness of living a good life. 
But finally, after living through one misery after another, then he began to live up to his name, which means literally, he who will not cry out, or the uncomplaining one. His fate was bad enough that he finally gave up and stopped complaining and went silent. And that moment, that silent acceptance, was when he realized that the Lord gives and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's from the book of Job. God gives, God takes away, God is blessed. And whatever is happening to me, I am blessed. When he could finally put that trust in the fa- in, in God's plan, he made a major breakthrough. And it was because he learned to look not just at the outer world and the outer form, but to see the the inner spiritual reality as more important. And on that level, there was no misery at all. There was only goodness. That's an important point to bear in mind that um, <clears throat> too often we, we tend to look at uh, our, our fate in the world in, in physical terms and uh, in, when in fact uh, there is really a lot more going on at the spiritual mm-hmm. level, at the, on the inner side, at the level of the soul and that we don't always see, but um, we should really take this into account if we can because... Uh, that's, uh, as you say, what it appears to be injustice may be actually something that will be balanced out uh, in another lifetime, and it may take a long time to uh, work this out. But uh, that, that's also what you have to keep in mind, too. Yeah, the the pain and the distress we see in, in the world is not to punish us, it's to... As Alice Bailey says, it's to wean man away from his love of the world, his love of the material outer planes, where he's so fixated in his focus and in his desire life. Everything is oriented for a long stage of spiritual evolution to achievement on the outer level. And not all of it is bad. The achievement of a happy family, of good work, of a good home... But still, it's focused outward on the material plane. And she says in her writings that the purpose of all pain and distress is to wean us away from this craving for the things of the world, not because they're bad or good, but because they are not the reality. They're transitory, and they automatically bring us to grief because on the outer level, things come and go. They pass away. The only permanent undying reality is found in pure spirit and when we we turn our attention to that as Job did and as Arjuna did in the Bhagavad Gita then we find uh, freedom from the misery and we find that behind this outer pain and distress is a real undying beauty and joy can, can a calculating attitude, uh, can it cancel out karma? Because that's one of my concerns, how to cancel out karma. I don't want to cancel out the good karma. Well, no, we want to keep that, but we do have to live through it. All karma has to be lived through, and we aren't released from what the Hindus call the wheel of rebirth until we have canceled out all of our karma, good and bad. So having to live through our good karma keeps us uh, going through the cycle of rebirth, too. Um 
Well, a, a little while ago you were kind of uh, calculating karma when you wondered whether if you did good acts it would bring you good, uh, good results. We oh. all think like that. We all are constantly measuring and weighing the value of our choices because we human beings are very, very calculating. It's part of the, the way the mind works. Yes, but it all goes back to uh, motivation. Um, whether karma is going to be bad or whether it's going to be good depends on your motivation. If you're, uh, if you're um, calculating that if I do something good here, if I do some kind of service, that uh, I'm going to get good merits out of this, then uh, that in itself is uh, improper because your your motivation, your intent is for on yourself and you're putting yourself first before this act of service so really um, it doesn't do any good to uh, calculate uh, and to kind of uh, uh, <coughs> play all the angles and to to get the best out of life so it, it builds up what you said Dale makes me think of the importance mm -hmm. of that uh, of the uh, thought that's set forth in uh, in scripture uh, that um, God knows the heart of man, and uh, I think that what you said really mm -hmm. underscores and, and brings new meaning to uh, to that particular thought. For those people who just tuned in, uh, you're listening to Inner Sight, and our topic for today is karma. And all of the dialogue that emanates from this show comes from the works of Alice Bailey. Alice Bailey, around the turn of the 20th century, wrote 24 volumes of very interesting literature, and karma is one of the themes that she profoundly uh, explores in those books, uh, in various books. In fact, if you uh, if you want to read more about karma from the works of Alice Bailey, you might order the book Ponder on This. Uh, Ponder on This uh, has a few pages dedicated to the explanation of karma. And another book where you can take a look at karma is uh, Service, Serving Humanity, Service to Humanity, and. And that, uh, in that book, you can find um, uh, writings about karma from Alice Bailey as well. To order our books, by the way, you can uh, order the books from uh, the following toll-free number, 1-866-695-8247. Once again, it's 1-866-695-8247. You can order individual books from that number, or you can order all 24 volumes. If you order them, all 24 volumes directly from us on that toll-free number, you'll get a 10% discount. Uh, you can also order the books from Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, um, uh, Borders, and other bookstores as well. So once again, it's uh, the toll-free number is 1-866-695-8247. An easy way to remember it is 1-866- N Y Lucis L U C I S. Think of one eight six six New York Lucis N Y Lucis. Our website www.lucistrust.org, and our email is New York at lucistrust.org. And remember that the work of Lucis Trust, including this program, is funded entirely by voluntary voluntary donations and. We welcome your donations as a means of keeping us on the air. Well, 
sometimes, at least with the negative karma, I'd like to bring it to an end. I mean, as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned, that positive karma, karma can go on for many incarnations. I'd love that to happen. But how do we bring karma to an end? Well, there are many um, approaches to that question. One, I think, is uh, pretty obvious, to face ourselves, to face our past, to face wrongs we have done and not deny them or, to use a popular term, not project them onto others like so many of us do. We have to face the reality of the mistakes we've made and make atonement. And I think that has to be done not just within one's own consciousness, but by the expression of regret and remorse to those we have wounded. If we have had bad habits that haven't particularly wounded any one individual, still we have to correct those. We have to change our our way of living. And in terms of those who have transgressed against us, we have to forgive them. Just as the Lord's Prayer says, forgive us our trespasses and forgive those who have trespassed against us. Uh, It all has to be let go of. And the problem is this karmic rut we've been speaking of is deepened by our memory of uh, past events and our shame, perhaps, our guilt at wrongs. And then, of course, there's all the karma from past lives that we're not even aware of, but it's stored somewhere in Mm -hmm. our soul's memory, and we go over and over and over it, regretting it, uh, feeling bitter. It's baggage that we carry around with us, and it keeps us chained. Maybe that's why St. Paul in the Bible uh, spoke such truth when he advised the need for contentment he said, um, "Be," I, he said, "I have learned in what whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Whatever your present circumstances are, be grateful for them. Be grateful for life and be content. Accept them for what they can teach you." Yeah, but I think the yeah, that's that's fine. That's good. Uh, I think the um, um, part that you mentioned just about uh, repeating the same pattern over and over again uh, is very important to keep in mind because karma will never end as long as you keep repeating and repeating these old mistakes from the past. And we see examples of that going on in the world today, even today. Uh, The the situation in Kosovo, I mean, that arose out of... uh, uh, events that happened hundreds of years ago, and yet uh, they're, they're still repeating this same pattern in their lives, and it's just come up again for resolution, and how they resolve it this time will depend on whether they can move forward. And we see it uh, also in other um, historical situations, uh, perhaps in, like in the Middle East, the situation, the tit-for-tat, kind of back and forth, it's not moving, it's in that rut, and it's mm-hmm. digging deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. Yeah, and the wheels are spinning there, but they're not moving ahead. Yeah. The Buddha taught that um, love could never be ended by hatred. He said, hatred ceases not by hatred, hatred ceases only by love. That's a basic Buddhist principle from the Dhammapada, one of the great Buddhist texts, just like Christ taught the need to to love. If we don't Return hatred with love, we are just perpetuating it. And it's not being a doormat. It's not letting the other person triumph. Because 
Whoever has transgressed against you will inevitably meet up with their own karma, but you don't have to be chained to them. And by your refusal to forgive them and to let go of them, you're just binding yourself up in their fate, and you're not achieving your own liberation. Love them and release them. It's said that Buddha's love was so immeasurable a stream that it could not be exhausted by any hate or hostility. Nothing exhausted his supply of love. What a beautiful thought. That's surely the ending of karma. Right, and as it says, love brings all earthly karma mm. to an end. Yeah. And it all depends on right action. We've talked about in previous uh, programs the right action is about cultivating goodness and virtue in, in the way we treat others. And it, it's about creating harmony in our world, in our home, and in the, this very life that we live in right now. It's not something in the past. It's not something in the future. It's uh, <clears throat> taking right action right now, right action which builds relationships. And uh, really, um, what is working out in the plan so much depends, in the plan for the, the planet Earth, so much depends on right relationships. And um, we see that happening in the world today. So these are right actions that cultivate uh, relationships that enable this energy of love to flow. Where you have separation, love does not flow. And uh, that's where the karma still stands. I think there's another aspect to love, too, and its expression in, in the world as goodwill. It opens up a new path, a new way. We speak of karma as being a rut or an endless repeating cycle, and that's what happens when you're caught up in vengeance and payback. But the expression of goodwill opens up a new approach, a new creative outlet for a new beginning. And we can see this on the world scene when uh, there will be a breakthrough in, in problems between two groups of people through the creative imagination of someone like Sadat and Begin who decided that they had had enough of war between Egypt and Israel. And they, they made a rapprochement that, that still today uh, has a peace treaty between Egypt and Israel. This was goodwill. And it was, uh, we could say, love in action. It ended a karmic cycle between Israel and Egypt mm -hmm. and let something new start. And there's, there's the other thought uh, about how to, how to end karma. I think it's, it has to do with getting our priorities straight, remembering what is real, what is permanent, and what is transitory. The outer world and all of its accoutrements are going to pass by. They will come to an end. And the only real and lasting is, is the divine, the spirit. And that's why the Bible says, Seek you first the kingdom of heaven, and all else shall be added unto you. Now, the, the prayer that we say at the end of the show, and I do hope our listeners stay with us long enough to, uh, uh, to listen to that entire prayer, it is truly appropriately named. Appropriately named. It's uh, uh, entitled, The Great Invocation. Can the Great Invocation, can it help to overcome karma? Yes, because it's a, a method of transformation, personal transformation and planetary transformation. Working with the great invocation on a daily basis, each of us can help to 
to bring our human and planetary karma to an end because we are invoking, we are inviting energies of light and love and uh, the will to good to come into the world. And those are where we find the the restoration of the harmony that uh, karma is seeking to bring about. Yes, it it is that. Well, we, we mentioned just uh, a moment ago about the, the need for love in one's life, and it's the same love that uh, is needed in the world as a whole, and that's the very basis of the, the great invocation. It's invoking this energy of divine love to help bring more love into the world to offset the tendency in humanity to uh, separateness and separative actions and it is love that builds right relationships which eventually lead to peace Uh, I don't know that people see this connection but everybody wants peace in the world but how to arrive at peaceful situation and how to sacrifice for it yeah and it takes what leads to peace is right relationships and any situation where there is conflict there is a wrong relationship there is separateness there is um, opposing points of view that uh, want to hang into this rut and stay where they are they don't want to move forward but the great invocation invokes a divine source of light and love that hasn't been present in the world always until uh, well the invocation was given out in 1945 and uh, this was a time when there was a great need for love and light to come pouring into human consciousness and since that time I think we can see many signs where this is beginning to take place And there has been a lot of change, and a lot of change for the good. And uh, we see it in in right relationships that are are being established in the European Union, and um, in all the trade agreements and in the economic uh, agreements that are being established. We are relating to each other in a way that we never did before in the world. And um, this is... uh, perhaps as a result of this, uh, the invocative uh, nature of human, uh, human goodwill. Another point to keep in mind about the Great Invocation is that it's, um, it's a prayer, but it's also a form of meditation. And the value of meditation in the, in the eradication of karma is that it, it develops the ability or the capacity to abstract our thought and our attention and our focus from the outer worlds to the inner world of spirit. And that's how we stop the the outgoing vibration that fixates us on the material plane. When that comes to an end, it's said, there is no more karma because we have withdrawn our focus totally to the world of spirit. That's a very deep and perhaps perplexing and confusing thought, but that really is what lies behind the importance of meditation. Well, so much of you said means so much to me, and I'm trying to absorb it all. Uh, I think of uh, my own work on forgiveness, forgiving myself, forgiving others. It's important to, I find myself constantly, even though I say I forgive myself 
remembering the experience. Is it important to let go of the experience? It is. You have, I think the hardest thing for many of us is to forgive ourselves. I think it's easier to forgive others. Somehow we're very hard on ourselves. I suppose there's a latent pride behind that because we want to be perfect and it reminds us that we're not. But we do have to do like Jesse Jackson said, be patient with ourselves. We're a work in progress. Well, this show is funded by the generous donations of our listeners and we need and we welcome your support. And in closing, we... Uh, we invite you to ponder on this thought. Goodwill is the touchstone that will transform the world. Goodwill is love in action. It's the energy that draws us together in right relationship. There is a world prayer called the Great Invocation. It's a call for light and love and goodwill to flow into the world and into our hearts. Let's listen for a moment to these powerful words. light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds, let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts, may the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. (laughs) 